Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Mad Scientist Podcast. On today's episode, we have a special guest, Mr. Mick West. Mick is probably best known for his work on the investigation and debunking of claims related to condensation trails created by airplanes, also known as chemtrails. Although he's been involved in the skeptical analysis of other conspiratorial claims over the years, he runs metabunk.org and contrailscience.com currently, has previously run morgellonswatch.com, has been featured on the Joe Rogan Show and podcast, gave a talk on chemtrails at the Center for Skeptical Inquiry Con this past October, and has been featured as a science writer and debunker in various places over the years. He's also one of the founders of Neversoft Entertainment, which famously made the Tony Hawk series of skateboarding games. He's been gracious enough to accept my offer to come on the air here and talk to me about his work as a debunker, a skeptic, and kind of the state of the conspiracy world today. Welcome to the Mad Scientist Podcast. Today's episode, an interview with Mick West. Well, so uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself and your background. Well, my, uh, my deep background, uh, I guess, is that I used to be a video game programmer. Uh, and, uh, you know, I spent like, uh, a number of years of my life programming video games. And then I kind of semi-retired from that a few years ago and I started doing other stuff, just like I was writing for game development magazine. And around that time, this is like about 10 years ago, I guess, uh, I started getting interested in doing some debunking, uh, scientific skepticism type stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of got into it at first, just doing things on, on Wikipedia. And then I uh, got interested in a few different topics and started writing uh, various uh, uh, blog posts about them. And it's just kind of like you know, something I've been doing ever since. Sure. Yeah, you know, I, I really liked... Um, so uh, so you, you know, run Metabunk and Contrail Science and also Morgellons Watch, which is what actually brought me to, uh, to asking you to be on the show. Um, but I, I really like on Metabunk, you give this history of your time debunking and you talk about when you were a kid, how you had a, a book that you read that kind of scared you, right? And then learning more about the paranormal, you know, it was a paranormal story. And so learning yeah. more about it kind of, um, you know, kind of yeah, changed it was, that. It, it was something that, like, uh, as, as a young child, it was very frightening to me. It was, uh, it's a famous UFO story where this, this couple in a farm, uh, like, hear something. And they go outside and they, they see this thing with uh, big eyes staring at them and then claws reaching towards them. And then they see some light somewhere and they assume that it was like aliens. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that uh, to me as a young, like a young child, I don't know how old I was, maybe 12 or so, uh, I, I found yeah, the fact that aliens existed because it, I read it in a book. And that they might come at you with claws in the middle of the night to be a very, very frightening thing. Sure. Uh, but then later I discovered that that story was basically almost certainly these farmers being a bit drunk and having seen an owl <laughs> flying towards them. Right. Uh, and that was quite a relief to me. And then, you know, when you, when you find out things uh, have a more mundane explanation, it's it makes you wonder what other things also have uh, more mundane explanations and you know i just kind of got interested in uh, figuring out uh what the explanations of things are Mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 funny actually reading that it reminded me so i actually had 
I had pretty much a, a very similar, I guess, sort of beginning in this sort of field where um, I had a book. I still have the book, actually. Um, and it's called uh, it's called Mysteries of the Unexplained. It's like this big this big kind of like encyclopedia on spooky stories and weird things and whatever. And I remember um, one of them that really scared me was um, the Flatwoods monster, which is this UFO case that happened in West Virginia. And I remember going and, and like for a long time as a kid, I was so scared. I was like, I'm not going to learn about it. I'm not going to read anything else. You know, don't look at the pictures, whatever. And then uh, and then over time, as I got older, you know, you research these things and you come to find, well, you know, they're not really that scary. Um, and I think it's it's sort of an interesting, you know, I, I wonder sometimes if that that isn't kind of how a lot of skeptics get, you know, skeptics or debunkers or whatever you want to call um, people in kind of our, I don't know, I, I think, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I think that is actually a fairly common story that people were actually interested in this type of thing uh, right. when they were younger. Uh, like they were interested in UFOs, for example, or they were interested in uh, the paranormal uh, ghost stories. Uh, and also, uh, a lot of them were people who grew up in religious uh, families. Yes. Like I was raised Catholic, uh, which is in itself a kind of a, a belief in the paranormal in a way, you know, religion mm. is kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's different in that it's got, it's much more acceptable to believe in religion. But if you, you look at some of the things, you know, obviously the story of the resurrection and uh, the transubstantiation, like this, which is where the, the host is supposed to turn into the body of Christ, things like that are essentially paranormal things. And mm. when people uh, lose their religion and they, they like, you know, for whatever reason, they stop being religious. Uh, I think there's sometimes a bit of a reaction. You know, and they grew up believing all this stuff, which was essentially magic from where they are from their perspective now. And so it, it gives them a kind of a, a literally a skeptical view of the world. Like, uh, is everything that I have been told uh, true or not? Is everything that I'm reading true or not? And you know, you start being more suspicious about things and not accepting things on face value and actually looking into them more. Right. Yeah. You know, I I actually think I I often so I love I love looking at these things from sort of a philosophy of science or you know kind of a sociology sort of view, right? Where um, there's this whole idea that these these kind of conspiracy theories or these belief in irrational kind of things or things that aren't really provable um come you know they ebb and flow right so there's there's always this talk um every couple of years about an, an occult revival or a conspiracy revival in the United States and i often wonder you know if you know the, if you look back at the history there's really no evidence that it's a revival it's it's sort of something that's always been there but i but i think what you just said was really interesting about the religious background right so i was raised catholic as well and i often wonder if having that so having that kind of structured or very you know so this you look to what the what the pope says or you look to what the church proper says right versus yeah. say in america where there's this there's this feeling of um i don't know religion i feel like in the united states is very democratic in many ways there's so many yeah, offshoots. Lots of small churches where it's very personal. Exactly. Uh, and so even yeah. even the even your view into these mysteries becomes subjective as opposed to objective. And I, I you know, I, I wonder sometimes if that's not part of the reason why the United States has such seemingly a thriving conspiracy or, you know, um ghost hunting kind of society. 
But I don't, but yeah, I don't I know. Don't. I mean, you know. I think that's, that's a, a, a good possibility if you think about uh, how people respond to authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I, I grew up in England and uh, uh, yeah, I, I respected authorities. Like if I read something in the encyclopedia, I thought it was true. And, you know, and the, the church was the church and whatever the church said was true. And there wasn't that much variety like in England. Like, you know, we had three channels of TV and we had maybe mm-hmm. two different types of church. Uh, we had, you know, the Anglican church and the Catholic church. And right. you know, maybe there's some others, but I'd never heard of them. Whereas you come to America and you have uh, all these different uh, churches, uh, strange churches, which strange to my mind, like, like the, the Mormons. Right. Uh, and <laughs> I had no idea that they, they have some very, very strange beliefs from my perspective as a, an English person. Sure. Uh, and, you know, even stranger things like Scientology, but that's just getting way out of there. But right. also America had a lot more TV channels as well. So there's this diversity of, of opinions and diversity of, uh, of authorities, I think, that uh, characterizes the American experience to a certain degree uh, mm. as being different from the British experience. Hmm. So, one, so one thing that's often, um, it was actually something that you had mentioned as well in a, um, in a, I think you were on Joe Rogan's TV show. And you were discussing right. um, you were discussing um, contrails and how they form. And, you know, so one one thing with contrails that I think is very funny. So I'm I'm trained as a chemical engineer, and one of the problems that we give to kind of second year chemical engineering students is calculating the um, necessary flow around an airplane wing to cause condensation. Right. So we we give that problem of. Um, you know what? What Reynolds? You know, we we use the Reynolds number, which is this uh, this dimensionless constant for flow. But um, yeah. I always think it's very funny that it's kind of something that is taught in university, right? This kind of um, you know, I mean, obviously it's simplified down to the point where you can solve it analytically. But still, this I you know I I always think that's kind of funny. Whenever I hear about chemtrails, I'm like, well, you know, I <laughs> I, I give that problem in class, and it's not the way you think it is, you know. Um, yeah, but well, any, yeah. yeah the, the one you were talking about there, the uh, you know the uh, flow over a wing is just one of the two types of contrails. Uh, the more okay. common one is actually the one that comes from the engines of a plane, which is the uh, the caused by the the water in the exhaust. Uh, oh, okay. And, so it's not yeah, actually so the it's not actually like the eddies around the wing tip. It's uh, no, that, that does. There's a type of contrail called an aerodynamic contrail mm-hmm. and another one called an exhaust contrail. And, and the fact that there are these two different types of contrails just confuses the science. Sure. Uh, and that means that people who believe in conspiracy theories, you know, if they, if they see the science as being a bit confusing, then they're much more likely to, to reject it out of hand. Right. Uh, and the science is actually relatively complicated. Sure. You know, even stuff like, you know, if you drop the pressure of... Uh, of a gas, then the relative humidity increases. Uh, yeah, that's meaningless gobbledygook to most mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So it's even though you know you can say, "Oh yeah, we teach that at university," they're like, "Well, so what?" You know, the university right. is funded by the government, <laughs> and they just teach a bunch of lies. There. Right. Well, that's that's actually the part that I think is so fascinating, right? So you so the thing that you had mentioned, I kind of we kind of went off. I went off on a tangent there, but the thing that you had mentioned was that there's a um, you know, chemtrails is almost a a uh, a gateway drug to other conspiracies, right? Yeah. And that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of what we find. I, you know, I've, I've found at least in now, so I've been doing this show 
for only eight months, say, but I've had a lifelong interest and I help I help with another show doing research for them and providing kind of a scientific side to things. But um, one thing I've found is there's this very, this very concerted effort or this desire for everything to fit within one worldview, right? So contrails are part of, you know, um, what was that one? Jade Helm, right? It's part of the government trying to turn us into uh, whatever effeminate zombies or whatever it is that they think. Yeah. I, was, I was wondering if you could, you know, how, so this, this is, I originally contacted you because of Morgellons. So I was wondering, how did you get from that, that field to chemtrails, you know, to chemtrails? And also, how do you think chemtrails fits in with the whole, um, just kind of medical, medical, um, irrational medical fears or bad medical knowledge that's out there in general? Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, like you said, there is this desire for everything to fit together. And one of the things about being a conspiracy theorist is that you... If you believe one conspiracy theory, you have to believe every other conspiracy theory that is at least as plausible mm-hmm. as that conspiracy theory. Like, you know, if you believe in, uh, say, the moon landings being faked, then yeah, everybody who believes that the moon landings have been faked, faked will also believe that JFK was assassinated by, by the CIA or something sure. like that. But they won't necessarily believe that the queen is a reptile mm-hmm. uh, from another dimension. <laughs> uh, but if you do believe the queen is a reptile from another dimension, then you pretty much are going to believe everything. So there's this kind of uh, uh, spectrum of beliefs. But people, people need people uh, automatically want to have consistency in their beliefs. So if they have something that is not consistent, then they'll, they'll just kind of change their beliefs or they'll gloss over it. <clears throat> Uh, excuse me. So, with uh, uh, with chemtrails and Morgellons, those those are kind of related in a way. I, I would say Morgellons, in a way, is is less ridiculous mm-hmm. than uh, than chemtrails because the Morgellons is essentially people thinking that they have some kind of disease, uh, which is you know a reasonable a reasonable belief. Uh, whereas chemtrails is the belief that the government is spraying uh, uh, chemicals out of the air in this huge conspiracy that's been covered up by the entirety of science and journalism and meteorology mm-hmm. and every country in the world is in on the thing and they've been doing it for 50 years and uh, it's this it's basically the biggest thing ever which is a, a much bigger conspiracy so people who uh, believe in, in chemtrails you know, quite are likely to be able to believe in things like the, the Morgellons disease. But uh, the, it's interesting that the, the origin of the chemtrail theory was uh, kind of based on, on health concerns. People were concerned about what's actually in these trails that they were seeing in the sky. Like, you know, people noticed contrails. You know, they hadn't really been paying attention before, and then they see them for the first time and think, what the heck is that? Uh, and then they, the next obvious thing to ask is like, what is it doing to my health? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a certain type of conspiracy theorist who tends to have a kind of a hypochondria. Mm-hmm. They, they're, they're very concerned about their health. Now, I wouldn't say that Morgellons belief is, is that type of thing exactly because the people who believe they have Morgellons generally do actually have something wrong with them like they mm-hmm. will have some condition 
that is leading to their the itching or their you know, their skin or or even like their uh, their mental health issues, like they might have like you know depression or sure. you know, forgetfulness yeah. or something like that. Uh, so there is actually something there, but th- there is definitely a, a type of person, like a hypochondriac type person who. Uh, who who kind of views the world through that lens of their own health, mm-hmm. uh, and that really affects how they you know, fall for certain types of conspiracies over others. Like you know, there's the water fluoridation uh, right. thing, where they think that people are disposing of toxic waste in the uh, the in the water supply, uh, or they're trying to do it to dumb people down or something. People, you know, who are in, in that, that vein of thinking, we'll be more likely to you know, believe that particular type of conspiracy. Right. You know, but it, I, I think that's another great point, though, that was brought up in the um, this was actually on a this was actually on the podcast with Joe Rogan that you uh, you did. Actually, I actually watched it on YouTube the other day um, right. where he mentions that, you know, there's OK, let's say that you have this conspiratorial mindset, you think. You know, you think um, maybe we shouldn't be trusting everything that the science and the government says about whatever, you know, fluoridation or anything. But then they don't investigate things that are really going on. Right. I I find Mm -hmm. that fascinating when, you know, um, you'll go on to Reddit, say, and, you know, um, you can spend hours on the conspiracy, you know, subreddits and whatever. And they're talking still about Pizzagate, right? And not talking about a an effort by, you know, um, big petrochemical companies to keep carbon dioxide flowing to the atmosphere. Or, you know, there there are these interesting or historical ways that say, you know, the environment has been polluted or science has been curbed in interesting ways to try to fit a narrative. But we don't, you know, those are considered to be, you know, um, I don't know. I think it, I think there's an interesting slant now towards conspiracies having almost a right wing view in American culture, at least, you know, and, and I think I mean, of course, it'll sway back. Right. I think that's because of partially because of eight years of a liberal president. Um, but it'll be, you know, I, I always find that very fascinating to to see the difference when you say something like, well, Okay, so you believe in water fluoridation. What about global warming? And they say, well, no, global warming is a myth. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, they think, think of that as being an actual conspiracy. Uh, yeah, I think uh, pe- that people do. Uh, uh, I can't remember. What was the question? <laughs> what was the question again? <laughs> it's fine. No, so it was. Um, yeah, it's, it was. Well, basically, just sort of what, you know, I guess. All right. Yeah, the the, the real real conspiracies versus, uh, versus like fake, fake conspiracies ones, in right. a way. Yeah. So so I think uh, in a way the the fake conspiracies are the more interesting ones to the person, uh, okay. and they're easier easier to get into. If you look at Pizzagate, for example, you know it's this ridiculous reading into of things from uh, from uh, from these emails of John Podesta and some sure. other people, uh, and. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like an amazing story. If you, you know, if you take every every fifth word and change it into something else, yeah, something will come out. If you take every reference to pizza and replace it with child, and every reference to hot dog and replace it with, uh, I don't know what the, <laughs> right, what the whatever, term would be. Yeah, like you know, something something interest an interesting story will come out. 
but there's really nothing there. But it's it sounds really interesting, right? But if, if you compare that against like what did Exxon Mobil do in the 1980s uh, regarding global warming, then you're gonna have to read through reams and reams of boring memos and. Uh, mm-hmm scientific research uh, and it's just not a, not as accessible right and if, if you look at things like the chemtrail conspiracy theory you can actually go out uh, of your of your house look up in the sky and say look at that trail right and i found this one. like supposed evidence of uh, of you know this nefarious conspiracy and these things are just they're just the sexier in a way like like the world trade center uh, mm-hmm. collapse like people say that was uh, destroyed by explosives, and the primary evidence that they give was that it, it looks really weird. Right, right. Because yeah, we, we have so much experience the, with explo- You know, we have so much experience with planes flying into buildings that. Yeah, you know, well, yeah. a hundred and ten-story building collapsing right. from from the top down isn't something you see very often. No, it's not something yeah. that's ever ever happened before. And you know, the actual description of what happened was something that was it was basically new to science but people use that that novelty uh, as as an argument and it's an easy argument to make you say oh that looked really weird it doesn't look like what i would have expected right and that's all all the evidence they really need yeah you know i'm i'm always struck i, I when i whenever i think about this i'm I rem, i'm reminded of my one of my cousins i'll i'll never forget the day that he was told that Santa Claus didn't exist. Um, he just flat out refused to believe it. Right. So his, his mother came down and, and sat him down and was like, you know, Santa doesn't exist. It's been, you know, mommy and daddy buying the presents. And he was like, well, why would everyone lie? Like, I don't believe you. You know, he just, he just yeah. flat out refused. And so, and you know, so sometimes I wonder, you know, it, it kind of gets to that question of, well, how do you get someone to stop believing a conspiracy theory or something that's, um, you yeah, know, I think that's a, that, yeah. that's, it illustrates a very big problem in conspiracy theories is that people actually not, not perhaps not literally, but they want to believe and yeah. they, they, they kind of have to believe in a way because they have this internal desire for consistency mm-hmm. in their, their thought processes. And if you take one thing away from their belief system, then it's possible that everything is going to collapse. Now, you might think it, it would be easy to just you know, look at people's basis for belief and then explain to them, one bit at a time, why their belief is wrong. But it's usually very, very difficult to even make the slightest headway and sure. even get like, them to accept that one thing might not be wrong. Because they, they basically, they feel that if, if you can debunk one thing, then everything is going to collapse. Right. And if they if if they stop believing in one conspiracy theory, they're going to have to stop believing in all of them. They, if they if they find out the chemtrails aren't real, then that might mean that well maybe you know the World Trade Center just collapsed uh, from the fire and the the plane impacts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's you get this thing called uh, the backfire effect, right? Where if you explain to somebody why their beliefs are wrong you quite often end up with them believing those things even even stronger than before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, I think, because uh, people, when, they're explained, when something is explained to someone that they're wrong, they've kind of got a mental choice they can make. They can either accept the facts that you're telling them, or they can push back 
against them and say, oh, that must be wrong. There must be some reason why you're lying to me. And that is just going to reinforce uh, their, their belief even more because now they've, they've got some evidence that you are trying to cover up whatever they were believing before. So it, it, it makes it worse, essentially. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm struck by um, that same, that, that kind of idea has become very popular recently because of the politics in the United States. Right where you have, um, I love following on Twitter, um, Trump regrets, where it's these people who have you know realized that things maybe aren't going to work out so well for them, or you know things have been uh, changed for them in some way, and you know it's I think I think part of that is an you know I part of the debate has been well, what do you do if someone comes up to you and says you know well I I made a mistake or I I didn't you know, have all the facts before, even though you were trying to tell me or whatever, you know, how do you then deal with that person after the fact? Do you, um, do you welcome them with open arms? Do you, you know, question or, or keep digging so that, you know what I mean? Like you can kind of get to the bottom of the, the misbelief or the, the, the error in judgment, I guess you would, you would say. And I think, yeah. I think in part of, you know, politics, obviously it's a, it's a sub, very subjective sort of thing, but in, in questions of say, you know, global warming being true or not, um, you know, where the reality of carbon dioxide absorbing, you know, ultraviolet radiation differently or uh, rather infrared radiation differently than other molecules in the upper atmosphere, um, those things have have objective truth to them. You know, there's a fact there and it's it's difficult to. I guess it's difficult to know how to deal with those people and, and kind of get them to see the, the truth. So, I, you know, I, I think it's that's part of the hope of this show, I suppose. and. I'm sure part of the hope of you, you know, doing the debunking work that you do um, is to show people the truth. But I wonder if, you know, it isn't more basic than that. I wonder if maybe it's a problem of people. I often wonder how many people have really met someone who is a scientist or an engineer or a doctor or something in their daily life when they're not just being told what to do by one of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, Um, I I think it's... uh something i've discovered after doing this for a while is that it's a very slow process Mm -hmm. uh it's not something where you can just explain things to people and then they will understand Mm -hmm. yeah if you bring a scientist and have a scientist try to explain something to to a believer uh yeah it's, it's generally not going to help it's a very very long and slow process uh and this is kind of a misconception i i had when i started writing about various things, doing this this debunking, I kind of thought that, oh, yeah, I can see what mistakes these people are making. And what I'll do is I'll just write a blog and I'll explain to them what the mistakes are. Right. Like, for for example, with chemtrails, uh, I could see that people were making the mistake of thinking that contrails can't persist. So they, they can't spread out and mm. can't last a long time in the sky. So I thought, oh, that's obviously that's a mistake. All these these books and things explain you know, that they can, so I'll just write about that. And so I wrote a post about that, my very first post on chemtrails, mm-hmm. and that, that was nearly 10 years ago now. And people are still thinking the exact same thing. Right. So even though it's a very, very simple thing, like, people, like can contrails persist? And it's very straightforward. All these books say, yes, they can. Mm-hmm. People will still think that they, they can't. Uh, and partly that is because they they haven't read 
all this information. Mm-hmm. But even when you show it to them, there a lot of them will say, "Oh, this, this is fake, or this is just nonsense, or it doesn't mean anything." Um, have you have you seen the show Westworld? I have not. It's it's on my list of things to do once I get my PhD. As well, soon as soon a, as I graduate, I'm going to watch Westworld. Yeah. There's a scene in that. There's no spoilers there. Sure, but, okay. Uh, you, you know those robots in, in Westworld, yes. and uh, they're, they're programmed, obviously, to um, you know, act like people. Uh, and in, in one scene, uh, a human shows a robot a picture of something that the robot should know nothing about. And even though this, this robot acts exactly like a real person, they, sh- they show them this photograph, and they say, you know, what, does, what do you see here? Uh, and the, the response is, it doesn't look like anything to me. Mm. Uh, and they're, they're showing a picture of something that, that a normal person should understand. And that really struck me as something that it, it seems almost like this kind of thought blindness that right. people have when you try to explain something to them. Yeah, I think sometimes perhaps you know, I'm not explaining things very well, but other times I'm saying, look, here is a book that says contrails can persist. Right. And they're just, oh, doesn't look like anything to me. Right. Yeah, I, I, I refuse. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's very, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think there is a bit of that in there, right? Where, well, I, I wonder too, so with, so we've kind of, you know, with, with Morgellon say, mm-hmm. I think there is a very big part of it. We had, we had spoken, um, we had spoken via email, right? When I'm when I first asked if you'd like to be on the show, about how there was a almost a desire to believe anything but that there may be a psychological component to whatever is ailing you, right? So these people maybe are suffering from something like, you know, a, a delusional parasitosis, or it could be, you know, it could be something as simple yeah. as just an anxious tick, right? Mm-hmm. And they they would rather it be a unknown and wide ranging conspiracy than it being, you know, something as simple as, well, if you take an anti-anxiety medicine, you'll, you'll probably stop picking your skin. You know, I, I wonder if there isn't a part of that there as well, that to think that in fact, it is something wrong with your cognitive, not maybe not cognitive function, say, but that, you know, your senses, your, your consciousness is actually, you know, tricking you or doing you wrong in this instance is much scarier to people than thinking that other people are trying to do them wrong. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's, there's actually a couple of things going on there. One is that uh, people rejecting that, uh, you know, the, there might be some mental component. But there's also uh, people wanting a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, in, in medicine, with things like itching, uh, often if you go to a doctor and, you know, you, you say, like, oh, my, my skin's itching, they might have no idea 
and mm-hmm. they might do some tests and they might not find anything. And uh, I think I read in a, that somewhere around like one third of all cases of itching presented to a doctor are not uh, identified, don't have an identified cause. Sure. Cause. Uh, and people are unhappy with that. They, they, mm-hmm. they think that if they go to the doctor, the doctor should be able to tell them what is wrong with them. They want like, this very specific concrete uh, cause that they can then you know, take some, some drugs for. Uh, so, the, yeah, they, if, if they're told like, you know, oh, you're just itching. So take, take this right. anti-itching cream, uh, and then the addition gets worse or they, they, they end up like obsessing over, uh, finding fibers on their skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they're going to think, oh, well, then, then these fibers are the explanation. Uh, and because the doctor didn't give them an explanation and they find this explanation on their skin, they, they prefer saying that, you know, here's the cause of my illness. Right. They really a, want to, yeah. yeah, they want to have an actual cause and not just, you know, it'd be some kind of mysterious thing that's going on. Sure. Yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm often struck by the, I find this more at least so, you know, Morgellons was, was a very interesting thing for me to kind of look into. But, um, you know, one of my, I suppose, one of my favorite uh, topics in this kind of field is um, people that believe that they have I guess a ghost or something in their house. And then they, you know, it, maybe it's something simple like, um, you know, the, the cabinet shake or something or whatever, or it can be as serious mm-hmm. as, well, you know, my, my son, uh, you know, my, my son or daughter is having nightmares every night and whatever. And it kind of builds and builds until, you know, they go to see doctors and the doctor's like, well, you know, I don't know. Why don't you go see a therapist or something? And then it turns out, you know, so instead of that, they'll go to see, you know, these doctors can't help me. I'm going to go talk to a, uh, a paranormal team or something. But, you know, they, they skipped over that step, which was, well, why don't you go see a, a therapist or go to, you know what I mean? Try to find yeah. some, kind of, uh, some kind of other explanation. And I think, you know, yeah, I think it's partially, at least for me, I, I often think that it's just partially a misunderstanding of, again, like you were saying how medicine happens and how how prevalent and how serious kind of i guess somatic concerns you know um how serious hy- being a hypochondriac could actually get to the point of you thinking well i have i don't know you know what i mean i have i have fibers growing out of my skin or i have uh you know i have a demon residing in my home or something yeah it's know? it's like this this is quite often a, a fairly mundane explanation yeah. and at some point people reject the mundane explanation like that for example with the, the poltergeist type things the if you know if it's a child involved it's usually just the child playing playing right. tricks on the on the parents yeah they the want parents, they want like, attention or, yeah yeah and you, you you stick a hidden camera in their room and you'll see <laughs> that uh, the cup did not jump off the shelf and in fact the, the child got out of bed and threw it so there's this mundane explanation uh but people once they have skipped over that mundane explanation and they start going into the more complex and uh, uh, less scientific explanations, it's quite difficult, I think, for them to go back. Yeah. Like with with the, the poltergeist type things, uh, the parents trust their children. Mm-hmm. So they say, oh, my little Jimmy would never lie. So, you know, he must be telling the truth about what's going on. So it must be some kind of supernatural thing. Right. 
Uh, so once 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 they've uh, you know they've, they've gone down that road, they kind of get stuck in that, and it becomes harder and harder for them to to accept the the more the, le- the less interesting explanation. Right. I wish my parents had that trust me as a kid. <laughs> Chris would never uh, steal the cookies or something, right? He's he's too good a kid. It must have been a ghost. Um, I'm so I'm wondering, kind of as a kind of as I guess a final thought. So I, like I said, started this podcast as in the hope of, I guess, spreading, you know, spreading scientific awareness and, you know, debunking, I guess, to in, in some ways things. But I'm wondering if there are, you know, what, how would you suggest someone who's interested in promoting, I guess, science or rationality or skeptical inquiry get involved in this field? Well, it kind of depends uh, on what your your area of expertise are and what your knowledge is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think, like, everybody can play a part in just simply talking to people mm-hmm. uh, wh- where they see things that are wrong. Like one thing I do is I, I am a member of a few Facebook groups, just like uh, local Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. And I, I, if I see a, a meme being posted that is incorrect, I will explain that to people. Uh, you can, you can help simply uh, spread the correct explanations around. You don't sure. have to be, you're a scientist and go in and investigate all these things yourself. You know, a lot of the stuff that I do is just looking stuff up on Google mm-hmm. uh, and seeing what the what the real thing is. Like if I see some meme that says like um, I don't know, like uh, uh, ibuprofen is uh, is toxic, uh, you know, I will I'll look at the source of that and see if it's true or not, and then uh, I'll explain to the person that you know that it wasn't true. Right. Uh, so, so if if you're an actual you know, if you if you've got a bit more scientific knowledge or some mathematical knowledge, then it, it, one thing you could do is look at the Wikipedia pages and contribute via mm. editing uh, pages on Wikipedia that aren't perhaps you know the highest of quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the stuff on uh, you know, whatever paranormal or conspiracy theories. If you can just go and correct stuff on on Wikipedia or make it more accessible, I think mm-hmm. that's uh, is a great way of contributing. Uh, there's there's actually a, a project on Wikipedia, uh, the Guerrilla Skeptics on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a group of people who uh, will edit articles on Wikipedia from the skeptical point of view. Like they will edit, say, articles on uh, homeopathy mm-hmm. or, or um, you know, alternative medicine or other things like, like alternative science theories, like you know, the electrical view of the universe or whatever. And they've got to edit those articles with with good references right. to, all, to, to the to the actual standards of Wikipedia, uh, and you know, taking part making taking part in something like that is is a very valuable thing. Yeah, and some people w- will also like start their own blogs and podcasts, which is is also good. But you got to realize that you know it takes a while to get things like that going. Sure. Yeah. Uh, if if you're not going to do it for the long term, then you may as well not bother. You, sure, you, yeah. you, you'd be better off either you know, working with somebody else or doing things like the Wikipedia things. Uh-huh. Um, uh, because a lot of people will start a blog and they'll, they'll make two posts and then they'll just forget about it because it is, it is a lot of work to keep going. Sure. And similarly with podcasts, I'm sure, as, as, you, as you know. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, in, initially, you don't get very much back from it because right. you've got to build an audience and so you can't expect to suddenly become this great debunker and have everybody listen to you. Like I've been 
I've been doing it for a long time, and I still don't, you know, get that much traffic on on my my, my sites. Uh huh. Yeah. Great. Well, all right. So, um, thank you so much for coming on and agreeing to talk to me. Um, You're welcome. This is uh, again, everyone. This is Mick West. Um, you can find him on metabunk dot org and contrailscience.com. I got the endings of those right. That's um, right. But good. I, they both work either way. <laughs> yep. Okay. Phenomenal. Um, and uh, where else can people find you online? Uh, Metabunk is where I spend most of my time now. You know, I used to do the Morgellons Watch uh, blog, but yes. I kind of like you know haven't really been updating that because not a lot has really been happening in the world sure. of Morgellons. Yeah. So. All right. Great. Okay. Cool. So, well, thank you again so much. You're welcome. And that's the end of this episode. I just wanted to thank again Mick West for deciding to come on the air to talk with me. Not a huge podcast at this point, as I'm sure all of you guys listening know. And so getting the help, or at least having someone of his kind of level in this field reach out, really makes it a lot easier to kind of get a footing, and also to feel included in this world that, you know, I think is really important for a lot of people to become included in. Our world is becoming more and more fractured sort of driven more on partisan kind of lines, I guess. And so it's getting harder and harder to see what the truth of something really is. You know, I mean, depending on what news station you watch, you'll hear that story A is true, story B is false. You'll get differing views on the same exact pieces of information. And so I think it's really important that people sit down and think about these things for themselves. You know, sit with your family members and discuss the news, discuss facts, discuss science, right? Try to find out what you actually believe. Are the things that you believe consistent overall with your whole world, right? And obviously there are some things that we can't really say too much about, right? As Wittgenstein said. But there are always pieces where there is truth to the matter, right? Our powers of science and empirical thinking have really helped us a lot in our modern world. And so to just kind of throw them away, right? I mean... There's this really funny thing I keep seeing online all the time that says, it's not reals, it's feels. You know, just basing your belief on something because it makes you feel good. Probably not the right way to go. And so I think the work of people like Mick West and hopefully the work of this show has a really, I don't want to say important because, I mean, you know, my show isn't really that huge yet or anything. But you yourself can go out and promote scientific ideas. You yourself can go out and support rationalism. You can ask your friends, well, why do you believe that thing? Is there any proof for it? Can you send me some facts? Can you get me a source, a really good source? A lot of these things, a lot of these questions we have, we can answer for ourselves. And so I think it's really important and a really cool thing that we can actually just go out and do that with the power of the internet. The music this week comes from Berg. B-H-R-G, which you can find on SoundCloud.com. This type of music is called chiptune, which is inspired by 80s video games, which I think is really cool. So it kind of uses a lot of lo-fi 8-bit sounds and stuff. And so this specific artist here, Berg, uses Nintendo Entertainment System sounds, which are really awesome. Anyways, you can find his stuff at SoundCloud.com slash BurgerKing, spelled B-H-R-G-E-R-K-I-N-G. This song is called Danger Meat.
In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.